it's just really important to be mindful of those things. That student sense of belonging, if they aren't physically in Ithaca, is is depleted. And so, how can we how can we help um, during that? Um, and then also just in general, like I would really encourage faculty and staff to attend events so that you're not just your role at Cornell, but as an opportunity to humanize you a little more. Um, I think that that would be a really cool way to just connect with someone. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Nancy Martinson of Cornell's Asian and Asian American Center describes the joys and challenges of being an international student in the United States and what we can do to support these students. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Nancy Martinson is joining us for today's episode. She is associate dean of students and director of the Asian and Asian American Center here at Cornell and does a lot to mentor and support international students. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Nancy. Ah, thank you. It's nice to be here. Uh, We're delighted to hear from you about the best ways to mentor and support international students. What was the impetus for your work in this area, and what has your journey been with languages? Yeah, um, so the A3C is a space that welcomes both domestic and international students, um, and our A3C interns are a mixture of both students. Um, And also, I co-advise the International Student Union, ISU, which is a wonderful way to keep a pulse on how international students are doing. Yes. Um, Yeah. And then actually due to um, COVID, it really had just a negative impact on international students. And so Mm -hmm. I was really happy to be tapped um, to better work with international students just to kind of help increase their sense of belonging. And so I serve on an implementation team whose focus is on the sense of belonging of international Mm -hmm. students. Um, and so that's really exciting to, yeah, to be able to do that. Um, in regard to my journey with languages, um, so I actually only speak English. Um, I'm half Filipino and half white. And when my mom immigrated here, she experienced a lot of discrimination. Mm. And so she opted to raise her children to be as American as possible um, so that we would better fit. Um, into America uh, as opposed to what she was experiencing. And so uh, being Filipino and not speaking Tagalog really makes you feel incomplete. Mm. And so I believe language is really nourishing and it's really not only a way to express yourself, but um, to connect with your culture. And so I'm pleased to say that I have enrolled in Tagalog 1100 this semester. Hooray! Yeah. (laughs) And um, and this class is giving me life and just lifting my spirits during... A very challenging um, and hurtful time for Amen. the Asian community, and so I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of that class. And um, I did enroll in Spanish when I was in high school mm-hmm. um, because it has some similarities to Tagalog, and I surprisingly actually remember a fair amount of Spanish, and so that feels pretty good to be mm-hmm. able to drop some tidbits here or there. <laughs> That's awesome. I was about to say, I mean, we know the place on campus if you have any questions about learning languages. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nancy, what are some of the challenges that international students face on university campuses more generally and and maybe also more specifically during COVID? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, so truthfully, I really got tapped in and not even intentionally, it just, that's how the timing aligned for me to work with international students as COVID hit. And so that's really like the bulk of my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, in, in March when Cornell tra- uh, transitioned into a virtual semester, um, there is this assumption that all students were sent home. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not accurate. There are some international um, borders that had already shut down. Um, and there was a, a concern for students that if they did leave, would they be able to come sure. back? Sure. Um, and so we had a set of students who physically um, were isolated from their loved ones for well over a year. Um, on top of that, the Trump administration had introduced a handful of policies which impacted mm-hmm. international students' ability to study in the U.S. and really kind of presented in a way that made it feel like international students weren't welcome. Um, when I worked in um so I work in the diversity and inclusion portfolio and um, the access fund is under that. And mm. um, when COVID hit, we were given like hundreds of thousands of dollars to help students go home. And so for like three weeks, we became wow. travel agents and it was just wow. just a wild time. Like we yeah. literally had this whiteboard and was like, these borders are closed or this border is going to close in yeah 78 hours. Like the student needs to leave now. And even then it was, it was terrifying to like, will they make it in time? I I specifically was working with a student who was trying to go to Kenya and, but she had 48 hours to get there. And I was like, I don't feel good about this. If you don't make it, if one flight is delayed, Uh like we can't help you anymore. Like you're going to be stuck at whatever country you're in. And she was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I, it's worth the risk to me. Like, please book this flight. And it was just, it was awful. And then, yeah, um, at the time, the mayor had decided to stop buses entering from New York City to here. And that's where most international students fly is out of New York City. And so even having to think through like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to get these students there? Like, it was it was truly hectic. Um, and we were just planning it, right? So these students were living it. And mm-hmm. um, and it was, yeah, it was just such a scary time for them. And I think like, it was also scary for domestic students, but like, you don't even realize the privilege of like, ultimately you could drive home. Like if yeah. the flights didn't work out for you, sure. you could still do that. There were still trains that were um, traveling. Um, but yeah, but for international students, the sense of urgency was so livid. Um, it really was just kind of a, a pretty scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that student make it back to Kenya? She did make it back to Kenya, but it, oh my gosh, it was so <laughs> so frightening. It was like one thing after the other, though, to to get her there. What support services do institutions of higher education generally offer, and more specifically, what services are available at Cornell and within the Asian and Asian American Center? Yeah, so I think every college has some kind of version of like a, a office of global learning type. Um, but I think it, it definitely ranges like who's in there and how it's being felt. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I, I, I truly love, the staff at the Office of Global Learning, I think they're just such phenomenal people. Um, but I remember once in a space, it was actually, it was even a, it was in a breakout room. So it wasn't even like a huge uh, meeting, but I was in a breakout room with Hirsch and um, he was saying how... Um, customer service is really important to him. So it's not just about like, oh, I went here and I turned in this form. It's how did I feel when I, like, I felt confident that when I turned this form in, like it was going to get taken care of. I felt welcomed when I was in this space. I felt comfortable. And just how he described um, 
just customer service and how important it is, um, especially for international students. I just I just thought that was so amazing that like a person in leadership is really thinking through this and, and really cares about it and wants everyone else on his team to equally care about it. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Um, as I mentioned, I'm on an implementation team whose directive is to increase the sense of belonging for international students. Um, we were recently awarded a paid grant, which like focuses on sense of belonging. Oh, great. Um, and from that, we're going to do a project centering story circles. Um, and yeah, story circles is something that's kind of new to me, but a story circle is a, a group of people who share stories in response to a particular topic in a structured way that encourages full and authentic participation in both listening to and telling personal stories. Um, and so I'm really excited about this project because I think it's a very creative and impactful way to share international student stories. Like, mm-hmm. um, I know there's been a ton of initiatives to, to implement um, diversity trainings. And the thing with diversity trainings is you can care about them, but if you don't care about them, you can absolutely just keep forwarding along. <laughs> like you don't actually have to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And then also in diversity trainings, I feel like if you really care about this topic, then you are going to take the time to read and, and pay attention. But if you don't, and if you think it's a waste of time, which some people unfortunately do, you are just going to forward along. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm excited about these story circles because I really do feel like it's an opportunity, a, cre- a really creative way to listen and really listen to um, to students' experiences. And so I'm hopeful about this project. I'm feeling good about it. And so um, we'll be working on that for like the, the next like two years or so. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. And then um, just regarding to the, uh, the A3C, we offer an array of programming. Um, and so something that like due to COVID, um, we were trying to be mindful of like what community has been lost um, due mm-hmm. to COVID and not being able to be physically in community. And so one of those things was like uh, dance groups. And so um, we reached out to, um, I don't know if they're like, oh, they're like famous. They're like YouTube famous. <laughs> not like, not like, <laughs> not like Paula Abdul or anything, but like um, we had, um, yeah, we reached out to a couple like well-known um, artists and like um, invited them to host dance workshops. And those were also like international and domestic, like huh. well-known dancers. And so that huh. was really cool for students in those dance clubs, as well as just students who like to dance and aren't yeah. able to, yeah, to in the comfort of their home do that. Um, and those were pretty successful. So that was really cool. And then um, we just launched this semester, something called an inspiration speaker series. Um, where we invited an array of diverse speakers with intersecting identities and careers. Hmm. Um, it really tracked like a huge range of students. Um, this series was rounded out um, by Eric Nam, who is a Korean-American pop superstar and actually has a really huge following, both domestic and internationally. And so it's a great way to end the series. That is wonderful. So I remember um, when I started as an international student, um, a long, long time ago at Michigan State University. And um, there was a lot of excitement, but also some apprehension. And I think for me, coming from Germany to the U.S. already, um, I had already spent a year in, in the U.S. during high school. The transition wasn't really that difficult or that that com- complicated or complex. But there were still some nuances that were scary and, and different and, you know, trying to 
find new friends and your way around town. So what advice do you give to new international students? What is among the best things that they can do as they settle into a new environment? Yeah. Um, so at Cornell, the, the main thing I would recommend is to take advantage of PREPARE, um, which is a pre-orientation program hosted by the Office of Global Learning. Um, and it truly is a fantastic way for, for students to make friends and, and get any questions answered. Um, and I know that when I speak to ISU students about it, like they, they super push that program because it's before orientation. So even before you attend orientation, you know people already, like you see familiar faces. Um, and ISU students had shared that um, that the friends that they made at Prepare are, are truly their best friends in all their whole four years here, that they become roommates and they just really become inseparable. And it's just such a sweet story to know, like right from the start that they're, yeah, they're just excited to meet each other and support each, and they're exploring everything's new to them like yeah. um and so it's just such a it's a, yeah it's just nice to know that you are experiencing Cornell and Ithaca with a couple buddies who are equally as confused or lost <laughs> as you are um yeah there's just a, a strength in numbers there that I think is yeah. really cool um and then I'd also encourage them to just take advantage of the huge array of diverse programming offered at Cornell. And so um, the A3C, um, we recently helped facilitate an event where the Holland International Living Center and um, ISU had put together an event to talk about dating norms. And it was such a fantastic event. just truthfully, I think there was just so much nationwide that was happening that was so heavy that this was actually yeah. just a lighthearted, really fun thing that we did. Um, and students, domestic and international students, got to talk about dating norms. And it was just, it was kind of comical <laughs> because it was just like, wow, like, that's the different, like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, wow. like, some of, the, some of the things international students had shared is, like, wait, what's a date? Like, you, like, um, someone had shared that someone asked them to go to lunch with them and they're like, well, it's lunchtime. It's logical that this is a time to eat lunch. Like, sure, I'll go with you. And then later was confused because, um, yeah, the, the man who had asked her had, had thought this was a date. And she's like, why would you think this is a date? You just asked me to go to lunch. Like, just very confused. And so, um, just, yeah, hearing like those little stories, Um, And then also just like there's just language that we know as Americans that international students don't know. And so just kind of like, um, like Netflix and chill. So (laughs) Netflix and chill is a phrase that Americans know that means you're trying to hook up. But if you do not know that, that literally sounds like, oh, let me pick a movie. I'll buy some popcorn. This sounds fabulous. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's just funny, like, just to hear, like, wait, no, no, this is what this means, right? Um, so, yeah, so it, was a, it was truly was just such a, it was such a fun event. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a good group of people who were eager to share experiences and stories. Um, and then, yeah, just also talking about, well, how long should you date? What should marriage look like? What is a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. And to really hear, hear the differences. And it was, yeah, a nice group of international students. So, like, from all over. Um, to hear them talk about it versus um, domestic students talk mm-hmm. about it. It's just, yeah, it was such a cool event. But yeah, I would encourage uh, folks just to take advantage of, yeah, those spaces that are specifically mixed to bring international and domestic students together. Because 
yeah, it's just, it was such a joy. I enjoyed it. Such, um, but it was so successful that we definitely want to do it again. <laughs> just yeah. because it was so many teachable moments. Um, uh, yeah, it was nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, well, what can educators do to offer mindful inclusion of international students in their courses and their classrooms? So the Office of Global Learning has a phenomenal website um, and they actually host a page that offers tips for online instruction regarding teaching international students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would absolutely encourage everyone to go and check out that page. Um, but I think also like it's important to think through not all of our international students came back to Ithaca. And so just really being mindful that, um, yeah, there, there are students who are still in their home countries and the time zones matter. And so... Um, yeah, being mindful of that, I had a student who um, was living in Vietnam and her her family did not want her to come and fall. They just didn't trust. Granted, the U.S.'s COVID numbers sure. were horrific <laughs> during that time. So understandably, it was safer for her to stay in Vietnam. And so her parents didn't want her to come. And um, she was saying that she didn't feel like a student. Like her, I got connected to her because her advisor was like, I'm, I'm worried about the student. She doesn't feel like a Cornellian. Like she just mm-hmm. feels really detached. And so um, they connected me with her and I spoke with her and she was saying like, I'm just watching TV, like on class. <laughs> like I want, yeah, that's my, those are my classes is me watching TV. Like I'm not engaged at all. Yeah. Um, and so she would literally take a nap at 10 o'clock so that she could be actively involved in a, in a class at like two in the morning. And mm. she would do that two days a week just because she wanted some sense of being in a classroom yeah. um, and, and just speaking with students. Because how are you going to make friends if all of your interactions is just you watching them hours later on yeah. your screen, right? And so I think I think it's just really important to be mindful of those things. Like, sure. that, yeah, that student sense of belonging, if they aren't physically in Ithaca, is is depleted. And so how can we, how can we help, um, during that? Um, and then also just in general, like I would really encourage faculty and staff to attend events so that you're not just your role at Cornell, but as an opportunity to humanize you a little more. Um, I think that that would be a really cool way to just connect with students. That's great. Where can our listeners find out more information about A3C? That's a great question. Um, you can definitely catch us on our website. That's on the Cornell website. Um, but also, I think the more fun way to follow us is through our Instagram. We also have um, a Facebook, but I think Instagram is the most popular way to follow us. Our handle is Cornell A3C. Um, and then as the advisor for ISU, I'd also encourage you to follow them on Instagram. And their handle is isu.cornell. Wonderful. Well, Nancy, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share your favorite word in the language you speak, you love, you are learning. What is that favorite word of yours? Yeah. Um, so my favorite word is matapang, um, which means brave in Tagalog. Um, and I had actually called my mom. Um, so there was um, two elders who were beaten in Northern California. And so I was concerned. So I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom. Um, and in true Asian fashion, we don't actually express concern. So it was just more like, hey, mom, how was your day? What do you do today? Who are you mm-hmm. with? But it was my way of inquiring, like, are you with people? Are you making good choices? Um, and she was like, just talking about her day. And it seemed, yeah, she was she's good. Just just living a, her her day to day. 
Um, and then she had asked me how I was doing. Um, and truthfully, it, it was a really hectic time because May is already Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, and mm-hmm. most campuses celebrate that in April. So it already was going to be an uptick for, for me in regard to my calendar. Um, but with the shootings and the mm-hmm. increase of violence toward Asians, my, my schedule is just nonstop and I had to quickly respond and create spaces and so I was telling my mom I'm like oh man we had these processing spaces like it's it's pretty heavy like I'm I'm having a hard time and my mom she was all like be matapang my girl like you're Mm -hmm. gonna be okay I know right I'm like tearing up just repeating the story (laughs) chills right um but yeah I just thought it was so sweet like in a time when I was trying to call her to Mm -hmm. make sure she was okay like just how selfless she is and yeah. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I was okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you sharing that with us. And mm-hmm. thanks so much for speaking of language with us today, Nancy. Yes. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. I appreciated it. <laughs> Next week, Bill Van Patten will be back on our podcast. He gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series titled Barriers to Innovation in Language Teaching. Tune in to hear all about it. Until then... Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.